What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Got an interview, so I'm going to keep this first segment kind of short here because it is kind of a long interview. So I'm going to run down probably some topics I'll be talking more about on our next show. I definitely want to talk about the NBA draft a little bit more, and it might work out a little bit better if I wait another week. We've got free agency kind of opening up in the NBA. We got trades that were made on NBA uh, draft day. Those get finalized next week. And they're, they're in general, be you know, you have some guys amnestied or waived uh, by teams. So it might be an interesting week coming up in the NBA. And I could give you a little bit, you know, obviously some of these guys, Jabari Parker, some of these guys win in really, really nice situations. So we'll see uh, what happens. But it looks like a nice NBA uh, season, certainly better than this past season where you had. Uh, what I thought was so funny is, uh, you know, all year I was hearing people talk about Michael Carter-Williams, and he did end up winning the Rookie of the Year, and he did end up having some good games, and he had a, a good season, certainly for a rookie. Um, but I thought it was funny that the the Sixers were basically trying to get rid of him. I'm sure if they would have uh, gotten an, uh, an acceptable offer, or the right offer would have came along. They would have traded him uh, this last week, and they still might end up doing that. But it just shows you that the Sixers don't even really want Michael Carter-Williams or think that his his value might be kind of high right now. So they're trying to get rid of him. Uh, so certainly gives you an idea of what you should and should be doing with his cards uh, for the last year and certainly for the upcoming season because they drafted uh, some new players there and certainly um, the Sixers um, going forward, I don't see them uh, milking the ball into Michael Carter-Williams quite as much. But hey, you never know. You never know. Maybe he will uh, have a, a sensational second year. But... Moving right along, let's uh, LeBron opted out, so that should be exciting. We've obviously got the World Cup and all that going on. On our interview guest today, we bring on a longtime fan of the show, uh, Martin, from the Pastime Dialogues podcast. He's going to record his first podcast on another fan of the show, um, I believe, is co-hosting with him. So should be kind of an interesting uh, podcast, uh, especially for you that are outside the U.S. We talk with Martin um, for a good 30 minutes about soccer. We talk about raffles and razzes, so we'll talk about that. And we talk about um, just a lot of the new baseball product that has come out this year, like Inception and Bowman and and things like that, and uh, lots of other things. Um, On the topic of Razzes, the the one thing I saw this week that that was kind of funny, I got invited and then quickly uh, I was kicked out. I was invited to my first Raz group on Facebook and I was promptly kicked out. And I didn't buy anything. I didn't uh, do anything but make a few posts on Twitter. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. The word uh, travels quickly, uh, apparently. Uh, Apparently, I do have people that listen or (laughs) read what I say. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. The one interesting thing I saw, it was a Raz 
a guy was selling raffle spots uh, to buy boxes, and he was basically drop shipping it from a distributor. So I know I went over this on a show or two ago, and my brother actually wrote an article that I think was titled, you know, buying sports cards wholesale is too easy. And it really is, guys. You really um, – if you're out there and you sell this stuff, it really shows me that people – the fact that it bothers me that somebody's drop shipping raffled items just shows me that since I'm the only one that seems to be really – Panini doesn't really seem too concerned about it. Uh, Tops doesn't seem too concerned about it. I just find that it's funny that even other sellers don't seem too concerned of it because this, this is essentially taking away – uh, product and customers and money that you could potentially have and you could potentially profit off of. It just shows you that there's probably not a whole lot of profit to go around because uh, it tends that, you know, when there's money on the line, the more money there is on the line, the more uh, people tend to protect. I mean, look how many times Apple has sued Samsung and, and the Samsung has sued Apple and, and the whole works. Um, so I just, I just find it funny that, you know, people out there in general don't seem to really care about this kind of stuff. Maybe they see it and it goes on and they figure, oh, what can I do? Well, honestly, if you sell enough of this stuff and some of you guys band together, if you sell enough of it, you can point this stuff out to Panini. This is the kind of stuff, you know, instead of talking to them about their next set or, you know, talking to them about uh, – you know, oh, how cool is it to to bump fists with Kobe Bryant or whatever? Talk to him about this stuff. Say, hey, we need to tighten up the reins on who gets to sell this stuff. And and if you actually listen to um, Card Radio Live, I actually recommend anybody out there that is thinking or or is actually in the hobby shop business or wants to certainly wants to get in the hobby shop business or buying and selling boxes. You really should listen to the last podcast that Card Radio Live did on allocations. And they had a whole like almost 45-minute segment, it seems like, on allocations. And for most of you, it might seem kind of boring. Um, but quite honestly, it, it was very – I found it to be very interesting. And there was a lot of uh, insight into how much you have to buy and how consistently you have to buy in order to buy the products that actually make money. You know, you you oftentimes are buying product throughout the whole year that doesn't make any. I mean, maybe that's why Panini just is openly willing to sell to anybody, and distributors that have this product are willing to sell to anybody, even if you're selling the product illegally, because there aren't that many sales throughout the year. And when the stuff that does sell well, like National Treasures or Immaculate or a Prism or something like that, they allocate it to you. They don't let anybody just order that stuff up. They make you buy all the other crap first. I thought that Doug from Mojo Break actually put it very well. If you don't really know or understand what allocation is, it's like going into your hobby shop and wanting a box of gold standard and then saying you need to buy a box of prestige, rookies and stars, elite, and limited. And then you get a box of gold standard. So it's it's quite um, – you know, it's it's quite a headache, quite honestly. I don't know why um, you'd want to be in in that business because really they they changed the rules. You know, ten years ago it was different. You know, I didn't necessarily need to buy National Treasures cases or exquisite cases back then. It was more exquisite, um, but you could make money off some a lot of the other stuff. UD Glass, uh, you know, Upper Deck, SP Authentic could make money off a lot of the top stuff, Tops Finest and Tops Chrome and and regular Tops. 
Uh, so you didn't necessarily need to rely on kind of the big hit products, but now it seems like the big hit products is really where you're going to make a lot of your money. Uh, certainly as an unopened box dealer, uh, most of the stuff ends up being right around the price that it, uh, came out at or, or less. So you out there as a consumer don't necessarily need to worry about it, but if you, um, buy and sell cards, it is quite interesting, but I'm shocked. I'm shocked people just let this crap go on. People just uh, drop ship boxes direct from a distributor and they're not even – they're selling the product illegally. So I thought that was interesting and I find it very interesting that it seems like a guy that podcasts for free seems to care more than the manufacturers themselves or even the other people that are out there trying to make money from it. Just again, shows – there must not be a lot of money to go around or people must just be happy with what they got. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm too comfortable. Maybe I'm sitting back watching soccer all day and I'm I'm too comfortable. I don't know. Maybe I, I have better things I need to do. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Well, speaking of better things to do, we're going to move right along into our next segment right after this quick break. We will be joined by Martin from the Pastime Dialogues website and pod soon to be podcast you have that to look forward to right after and we are back Pleased to join by a very longtime uh, friend and listener of the program, Mr. Martin. How are we doing today, sir? We're doing fine. Finally got me on. Finally, yeah. I think it's been, uh, you know, probably better than anyone that the, the request to be on this show can sometimes take years <laughs> to finally be on the program. So I know uh, such an honor, I'm sure, for you to be, be joining us today. Yes, is this show number 154, and I think I've been listening live since show number 30. <laughs> oh, man, making me feel kind of old. But um, let's jump right into things. We got you on the program. I think a lot of people probably can tell by your accent, you're probably a fan of the football and not American football, though I know you do watch a little bit of American football. You're a fan of what we call soccer over here. Let's talk about the World Cup. Just give me your initial impressions as a, a big fan of the game. Um, I am a big fan of the game. Um, my best memories of the World Cup were 1994 in the USA when England didn't qualify and it, it, it was great because I can remember I was being about nine and I, and I used to hide behind the sofa so my parents wouldn't find me watching the soccer <laughs> yeah it was um, yeah I mean I grew up with soccer in the blood I was taken to soccer games from the age of five, I love it. It's I I've been enjoying the World Cup. Who? What are your initial? I mean, we've got a lot of things we can talk about. Maybe the the story that's kind of taken 
taken, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, attention away from the games and, and the goals is this Suarez guy um, biting yeah. another player. I had no idea he had this kind of history. Maybe tell yeah. us a little bit more about uh, Suarez and his uh, his uh, habit to uh, bite other players. Yeah, um, it started a couple of years ago in the Dutch Eredivisie in the Netherlands when he was playing for Ajax, I believe. I believe he bit a player in the arm there, and then I think, and then he, when when he moved to Liverpool, he bit um, a Chelsea defender, and. Like, kind of in the it, neck, like, he almost, like, they were standing that, that, there, that, like... That was the Italian. Oh, was that the Italian? Yeah. Okay, like, it's, he's bitten so many people, it's hard to get them all right, is it? And he's been disciplined, it sounds like, in the past for these actions. Yeah, I believe he got a 10-match ban, and, um, but there was a lot of controversy over this, and the French defender who plays for Manchester United, a rival of Liverpool's. Uh, I think they had a Twitter war. Now, on Twitter, I only go on to check on the latest baseball cards for trade. But they were having a bit of a war and ever claimed it was being racist, which... But that was all in the papers over here. But, yeah, he's done it. He's done it twice before. Now, biting somebody in the neck like he did with Chiellini, the Italian player, that is the way he's done it. He's actually tried to bite his collarbone. Just feel your own neck. It's not a nice place you'd like to bite somebody. Certainly not. Um, I mean, un- un- unless you're giving your girlfriend a hickey. <laughs> that's that's very true, yes. Uh, I think um, that is true. But in the soccer context, probably not exactly uh, part of the game. Uh, so what are your thoughts? Uh, looks like he's, he's gone for the tournament. Do you well, think his country has any chance to... I think he's placed for Uruguay. Do they have any chance yes. to move on without him? Uh, they have actually, up until this World Cup, they were the form team in international soccer. They were the they were the form team, and I actually put one pound, which is about a dollar seventy, on Uruguay to win the competition as a dark horse bet. Okay. Now I didn't expect them to win it, but I expected them. Well, in group, sorry, I've forgotten the group. I think it was Group G, which is, which was England, Italy, Costa Rica, and Uruguay. Um, I kind of expected either Italy or England to fail because. I, I said before the tournament, it's in South Af- it's in South America. A South American side will win it. So I've put on five dollars, uh, five pounds on 
about ten dollars on Argentina at four to one, and Uruguay a pound on at twenty five to one. So they had a chance at getting to the group stage through the group stages and beyond. Well, I know your England team kind of let you down a little bit. Uh, do you have? Well, any... I don't really support England too much. Okay, who who uh, are you supporting in this World Cup? I usually, I usually like to see USA do well. Okay, nice. Okay, let's talk yeah. about. Um, you know, I thought what it was kind of funny is uh, they won. They played what three matches? They won yeah. one. They lost another one, and they tied. In another one, so they basically lost or didn't yeah, win was, two out of three it, matches, and they advance. Yeah. Um, and people are rejoicing about how great this soccer team is. And they have played well, and I thought, uh, you know, certain players certainly have played well. Talk to us about the U.S. and uh, maybe some of the stuff you've seen uh, from them. Well, um, I'll just uh, there's a German um, comedian, and he and he actually said. You don't have to play well to win the World Cup. You just don't need. You just don't lose. If you if you don't lose seven matches, you've won it. Right. It's very short tournament. Um, the US play it middle of the season. Now for the European teams, it's the end of the season. And with the US, I think they do miss. Josie Altidore, who pulled his hamstring 20 minutes into the first game. Right. Um, uh, but they've done well. Germany and the US, they basically both knew they needed a draw. Which is unlike 1982, when I believe Germany and Austria played out a goalless draw, which was agreed upon. It was kind of a... They were kind of colluding to get both through. I see. I see. Like, like they did through the first and second World Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the long-time partners, uh, you know, on and off the, the soccer... I, what I want to know, I, I hear them refer to the field as the pitch. And I was wondering yeah. what the history behind uh, the pitch... Why they call it the pitch and not... Uh, the field or the plane surface or something of that nature? I think it's... I think it's... Obviously, it is, a, it is on a field. Right. Uh, I think it's just the terminology that was about and... I see. Because, I mean, it's like in England. Baseball originates in England. But most people don't care about baseball in England. Right. And but we still have phrases like step up to the plate a curveball. Ah. Uh. I think it's just terminology that is stuck. I see. That's that's interesting. I did not know that. What do you think of the US's chances of winning a match in the round of sixteen here? Uh, well they're up against Belgium. And Belgium, or a lot of people 
dark horses for the tournament. Um, I think the best player would be Edin Hazard. Okay. I, th- I think about five or six of the main main eleven are playing in the English Premier League. Okay. Um, but they're not playing with any fullbacks, if you will. They're playing with four centre backs. So they're actually playing with two people out of position, the natural position that they play for their teams. It seemed like that a lot of teams were, you know, obviously when you're fielding a national team, it's it's not uh, it's not perfect. I guess you have guys, you know, m- mixing and matching. What? I seem to, you know, when I was watching the, I watched the Portugal games and it just didn't seem like they were, uh, you know, together um, as a team. And like, even when like Ronaldo would score, you know, like normally guys like run over to the side and take off their shirt or dive into the ground. And there's this big celebration with that team. I didn't see really even like any togetherness. And is, is that, do you find that that really plays? A factor into the World Cup? Yeah, I think it does. I think it played a factor. I think it was 1974 when Holland got through to the final with one of the greatest players ever, Johan Cruyff. Um, he basically wanted to manage the... He was the player and he basically wanted to be the manager to tell the players what to do. And I think a lot of that's with Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he wants to be the focal point. And I think the players feel, for Portugal feel, well, they're not talking about us, they're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. So there might be some kind of jealousy almost, or some kind uh, of... uh... Jealousy, and I think also... I'm not a big fan of Ronaldo. Okay. Uh, I've seen him. He's very petulant if he doesn't get his own way. He's um, if he if he can't take on a couple of players or have a good game, he seems to get very emotional. Is Which he, I think does he show emotion when he's playing for his club team? Like, is he is he um, you know celebrating? Yeah, it has done. I wouldn't say it shows it in celebration. He usually so- shows it when things don't go his way. I see. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he wants to be the star. And Portugal got off to the worst start ever against Germany when they lost. Did they lose 4 0? And they had a player sent off. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, but the Germans, they were always going to stand up well against the Portuguese. And I felt the USA could get through. But when I looked, the Ghana actually knocked USA out four years ago in South Africa. Yes. In the last 16. So it was, it was a group of death. But to be honest, there's... There was about three groups of death. Right. It doesn't look like there was... I mean, obviously, it's the World Cup. 
and um, seemed like every team was certainly capable of uh, playing well. Who else is impressed? What other teams have kind of impressed you uh, now that we're we're down to the last 16 or so? I mean, Brazil, they are the favorites at 3-1. Before the tournament began, that was the odds. Right. And they've looked great. They've, I mean, Neymar Junior. Uh, I've been, looked, I've been very yeah. impressed with him. Oh yeah, Neymar Junior is okay. To be honest, I haven't seen him play much club football. I've only really seen him play for the national team. Okay. Um, he looks good. Uh, him and Oscar. Yes. They look okay. Um, it, it's not yeah. It's not like the Brazilian team of old. When you had the Roberto Carlos and Cafe running forward from the back. Right. But it's been very attacking this um, tournament. I think already the goals scored is is already a record and it's not even finished. The total number of goals scored in the tournament. I think all the teams have been very attacking. Yeah, and it just seems the the I don't know. I mean, I don't watch soccer a lot, um, but seems to me the quality of play has been highly entertaining. Um, even though there are there have been a lot of goal score, there hasn't really been a lot of four to zero or four to one type matches, um, and so that's made it um, very exciting uh, to watch. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the last 16 here, and there's, I would say there's four great games, that, four or five great games that we're playing. I think the English and the Italians will be looking at the game between Costa Rica, which, were the, which was their group, and they went through as group winners, did Costa Rica, who have looked good. Uh, and they play Greece, who basically have ten men behind the ball at all times. So I think they'll be kicking themselves because one of those two teams will advance to the last eight. Certainly, I, I can imagine the players and the fans of those two teams uh, seemed very disappointed um and you've got to wait apparently there's some kind of like copa something tournament isn't there a tournament shortly after the um world cup that these teams also participate am i wrong there um no there there are a few there's the is it the gold not the gold cup but there is it's um well there's about six different um fifa organizations in Europe, it's UEFA. Oh, okay. And then you've got your Cannonball, which I believe is America. And then you've got your South America. And then you've got your Asia, which includes Australia and New Zealand. Okay. And then you've got your South American. Yeah, uh, obviously with so many English, uh, sorry, not English, European nations you've had I think there was 13 European teams 
So there have been groups with two European teams in them. But I'm looking at the last 16 and there's four great matches on paper. And what? And so we got Greece and Costa Rica, I think, was one. Yes, that will be a close game. I think Costa Rica will win that one. Okay. What else we uh, got? Netherlands and Mexico. Okay, yes. Brazil against Chile. It will look good. Certainly. Certainly the the Brazilian fans there will come out in force, I'm sure, to uh, try to sway the the outcome of that game. And then you've got the Colombia-Uruguay game. Which will be, you think Uruguay has any chance? I mean, Suarez seemed to be their main goal scorer and kind of the face of the franchise, so to speak. Do they have any shot of, of winning that match? Um, they do. They do have a good chance. Um, Suarez, against the England game, he basically had two chances and took the two chances. He gambled on the goal in the 85th minute to win it for Uruguay. And he got in the right place for the opening goal of that game. But I think the Uruguayan players will unite, maybe. But Colombia have played exceptionally well. They certainly have, and I think you're right that it could, um, you know, having something happen to your team like that uh, might might let you rally the truth. Maybe they're, you know, like you said with uh, Portuguese teams, they're looking around, they see Ronaldo getting all this attention. Well, maybe without him there, maybe the other guys uh, step it up a little bit. Uh, certainly will be an interesting uh, storyline to follow the rest of the tournament. Well, if you, uh, well, I know you can legally bet on sports. In fact, I think you can do it very easily uh, where you live. Uh, if you're putting money down, who are you betting on to take this thing home? Who am I betting on to take the money home? Hmm. To be honest, I said before the tournament, it would be a South American team to win it. And I think it's evident they're playing well and are more acclimatised right. with the amount through. Right. Um, Argentina seems to be a one-man team, even though they're not. Right. Because, because they were nil-nil against Iran up until stoppage time. Uh, Argentina, I believe, at the start of the tournament, were four to one on, not four to one on. Sorry, four to one. So, if you laid five dollars, you get twenty dollars winnings. Um, but Germany do look good. They do. They look like a team. They really controlled the. I thought. I mean, just being an average soccer fan, I thought they controlled the ball really well. And it was like hard. The U.S. like barely got any. They had like maybe two or three legitimate opportunities to score, but that was about it. Um, they looked great. Yeah, the US did well, but I checked the German lineup before the game, about half an hour before the game, 
and they didn't put out a weakened team against the USA, even though they were mathematically through. Right. Well, I think if the USA had beaten them by five goals and Portugal had won by the same, they wouldn't have gone through. But they were basically guaranteed to go through. It was the USA who lost against Germany, but the Portuguese, I think, needed a goal swing of three. Right. And there was a goal swing of two. So the US got through by a goal, I believe. But the um, Jermaine Jones, he's impressed me a lot. Certainly. Where does he play soccer normally um, around um, the I know he, I know he played in Schalke in Germany. Okay. And uh, he actually came on loan to my hometown team. Oh, okay. Yeah, um... I'm not. I think he actually plays in Turkey for Basic Tas now, which is, uh, I believe, that's a Turkish team that do okay. They get into the UEFA Champions League. Okay. And the one further down the Europa League. Yeah, I was impressed. Uh, he's he's like a. You know, he had that one goal that was really nice, but uh, also seems to challenge on defense pretty well. You know, he seems to be around the ball and around uh, the action quite a bit. Uh, certainly a player that I've uh, come to appreciate. Yeah, he looks, well. looks like a Steven Gerrard. Okay. He's doing the Steven Gerrard job more than what Steven Gerrard did for England. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's four. If I, I mean, they'll all be. I mean, Argentina, Switzerland, that could be a complete goal fest. But it should be very exciting. I know that uh, my weekend and uh, my weeks have been uh, very much full with watching uh, the soccer unfold. Um, but. You know, we're an American podcast. We've gone on 25 minutes for soccer. So if we haven't lost all our audience, we'll uh, we'll change gears here, Martin. Let's talk about, I know you want to talk about a little bit of Raz. Not that you're, uh, like I said, you can bet legally. So no need to uh, pay $1 for uh, a spot to win a uh, Marcus Wheaton autograph card or anything like that. You can uh, you can bet sports and all that stuff uh, kind of in your own time, but uh, talk to me a little bit. I know you do group where you bind into group breaks and stuff like that. Um, talk to me what you think about these uh, or these Raz guys, these guys that raffle off cards and boxes and stuff. Uh, I think they're just trying to create a market for themselves. It's very weird. Because when you're buying a team in a box break, you're basically gambling that there's going to be cards of that team in the box. It's just the same as buying a box in the store. 
even though you might not be guaranteed a hit, you're still going and you could get a $2 autograph of Diddy Gregorius or you could get a $300 card of Mike Trout. That's the gamble. Mm. I think... I don't know how the lottery works if you do scratches, but I suppose it would just be easier to do that and at least that way it's officially... Um, rum. Whereas I wouldn't trust some guy on a webcam that's raffling. I mean, if I wanted to, I could create a hundred user accounts, and I could I could run one, and one person could enter, and I could have different names on a hundred usernames, and one of mine would more than likely turn up. For sure, and you can, you know, I mean, I see some people run them for 50 cents a spot all the way up to 50 bucks a spot or $75 a spot, and it just seems um, at some point something's going to go wrong here, Uh, you know, and a lot of the times they're trading money back and forth via gift payment on PayPal, and we all know that PayPal is not in the business of letting people trade money for free. Uh, they like you to trade money, but they like to take their little 30 cents and another, you know, couple percentage points on top of that. Uh, so at some point they'll catch up with them. Um, but it is kind of, I agree that they're, they're carving out the, they're trying to create their own little market, but uh, it just seems like their, um, business sense in terms of what, uh, what might or might not be sustainable uh, is a little little confusing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I suppose technically you're in my fantasy baseball league and we're doing a thing where we're all staking around about a $10 autograph card. And I suppose technically that will be illegal. Um, Probably, <laughs> yeah, probably. If, if Although the thing is, is I, I didn't have to, you know, I mean, there are fantasy leagues where you got to pay $50 to play or whatever, and people win money. Um, and, and whether those are legitimate, I don't know. But I know that I didn't have to pay anything to be in your fantasy league. Now I've got to check my team, and I've got like half my team seems to be on the DL every time I check. Uh, so, it, you know... I don't mind uh, spending some time, um, but these razzes are just straight, you know, raffles essentially that are yeah. are not, you know, even a charitable organization has trouble raising, you know, this yeah. would be a shady way to raise money typically. Uh, yeah, because with charities in Great Britain, and I'm sure it'll be very similar in the U.S., um, you can basically, you can't do lotteries, but you can do instant win tombolas. I see. An, in, an instant win tombola is where you pull out of a box a number, a raffle book, and if it ends with a zero or a five usually, you've won a prize. And all prizes have to be on that table with the matching number. I see. I see. So more of a, um, 
you know, a raffle, more of a traditional raffle. I mean, I think a lot of us have been to kind of charity auctions or charity type events where you buy some raffle tickets for, you know, your weight or your length of your arm or something or 10 bucks or something. Um, And you throw them in a thing and and you hope you win. Uh, But it's typically going to a good cost. Uh, Most of these razors um, don't appear to be... Um, a charitable organization or that the money is particularly going to a good cause? No, I mean, I not, I actually noticed at this time when the uh, card world were doing one, I actually spotted a Miguel Cabrera card and I was like, then I looked at it and it was like $50 and I clicked on it and then I realized it was basically a Raz. Yes, DA Card World, for some reason, for a while there, uh, thought this was a good idea, or thought uh, this was a a uh, a way to make money, I guess. Uh, and I, I, mean, I have not checked recently, but I do believe they have ceased the practice yeah, I of it. I, I haven't seen anything like it, not that I go on a lot. I usually go on for price differentials. Not that I buy much. But I do go on and see what products are out and what they're typically selling for. Right, and certainly they have have proven themselves over a period of time here to be somewhat reliable in the hobby. And so I thought it was rather odd that they would uh, stoop to that level of selling a product or trying to sell a product that way um, just made me really think, wow, they must, uh, they definitely must not be doing great because if you were just killing it and you were just making 10000 a month on profit on selling cards, why in the heck would you raffle anything off, you know? Yeah. Um, other than for You're free. You're your reputation and business. Exactly. Because, just, because well, if you joined, you you could have, I think you mentioned it on one of your shows, you could have got them. And so all the other customers that had ordered cases and boxes wouldn't have received their, wouldn't have received their cards. Uh, certainly, certainly. If well, Imagine if, if PayPal or somebody, the anybody, it, it could have been a, uh, the DOJ or somebody, could have been like, you know, we don't, we don't, more than likely it's going to be a payment processor. It's going to say, you know, we're going to freeze DA Cardworld's account or not going to process payments for them. What are they going to do? You know, they're certainly getting orders probably at a, a pretty regular clip. So, you know, I just... I see I mean, the at some point it tumbling down um, on the rest of these guys. I think at some point, you know, I, I think you don't have to hang out on forums that much. I don't hang out on sports card forums that much, but I do it enough to where I do see the posts every so often. Hey, my PayPal account got shut down because I was taking all these gift payments for cards on this forum. And um, it's certainly after a while – you will trigger something over at eBay headquarters, and they will yeah. say, um, "You know, hey, why don't we why don't we stop this guy from sending money yeah, back and I forth?" I was going to say that because eBay is PayPal, and if somebody's selling the collection, 
if it's going through eBay, they're not going to bother because they're going to make two separate fees. Exactly. One, one from the eBay sale and one from the PayPal goods. Exactly. So it's really in in PayPal's best, eBay's slash PayPal's best interest to keep all commerce on eBay and certainly make it all be charged. Because if we could just all trade money back and forth uh, together for almost no money or for free with PayPal, why would PayPal even, you know, why would I invest in eBay? Which is, you know, why would I invest money as a shareholder in eBay or why would I even work there when uh, they weren't making any money? Um, so they're at some point, I don't know when, I'm not a psychic, but at some point these guys, um, it, it'll either be a cascading effect or a certain ones will get shut down or, or will have difficulties with their PayPal payment processing and they'll uh, have to move on to I don't know why no one's moved on to Bitcoin because you could trade Bitcoin for almost free uh, if you trade enough of it it's it's you can you can send somebody a million dollars in Bitcoin for like three cents um, so I think that's where they could move to and certainly what you know what 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 is we gonna say about their practices if they're trading money um, you know via Bitcoin Um uh, I don't know why they haven't gone to that um, type of currency or that type of oh. transaction, but uh, maybe I'm not surprised. These guys don't seem to have very many brain cells as it is. No, I, I mean, to be honest, I've read into Bitcoin. I understand it, but I wouldn't be able to tell, to explain it to anybody. It's, a, I mean, because it's technically anything's a currency. But it's the way of how much is it worth. Right. And all I know is that it's like a long number. Like you, like but back in the late 90s when you, before you had contract forms where you'd buy a, um, a £10 or $10 phone card to top up your cellular phone. Exactly. And you'd have a cord on it. It's funny, it's PayPal, uh, it's Bitcoin. I mean, I think I received uh, some money from a friend and he sent it to me as... But usually when I send money to friends, I actually do pay that it's going as goods. If I've sent too much, then it goes through quicker. I see. That's interesting. Um, it's certainly been interesting, I'll say that, to kind of see the... I don't know. It's a definitely a, a different demographic that are doing these... Uh, you know, blatantly shady, illegal things to make a few dollars. It just shows you people must yeah. be struggling to find a job out there because if you if you were working eight to five or, you know, you had a good job or you made some money, why in the heck would you do this stuff? Like, why would I mean, it, you I know? Mean, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, why don't you do storage hunters? Why don't you go down to old auctions and buy? Right. 
I mean, because obviously you love the, well, I'd say I love the hobby, but so you're just diversifying from baseball cards to antique furniture. Right. But why? Because obviously you would make more money. I mean, if you were to go with, if you had the capital, but I think a lot of these people are breaking, I just, they just think, well, if I sold it on eBay, I could get $300 for the card. If I sell a Raz at $10 a piece, if I get more than 30 people, I'll make more than the $300. All right. I, I mean, I, I could see the certainly, but I mean, I could have the same logic. I could be like, how cool would it be if I had slot machines and like a poker table and a blackjack table in my apartment? And I like invited my friends over and we, you know, I, I like basically ran a mini casino in, it would be great. Like I could have a hmm. bar and I could have like cocktail waitresses and we could have entertainment and we could have food. It would be awesome. But, you but, know. But then you'd be serving alcohol if you're not, if you were charging for it, you'd be shut down. That, yeah. So many yes. Yes. Among, among other things. I, I can imagine my, my litigation bill would be extensive. Hmm. Um, if there's I attempted a, to do something yeah. like that, there's a rule. There's a law in Great Britain where you can't have more than five in a public house. You can't have more than five pounds, which would be about eight dollars on the table. Wow! With a packet of coins, so the pot can't get above that. Wow. It, it's very, it's very funny. That's but, some micro stakes. Yeah, but like a Friday night out would cost $50 to $100. And sometimes I go to poker nights where usually $50 and you've got, and I've had it where there's some food from a takeout, there's some beer, and you have so much buying. And it's basically where the last person gets all the buying money and everybody's had a good time as if they've been out clubbing. Right. Which is a good way of doing it. Technically, that would probably be illegal. Probably, you know, anything where you... I always say, you know, if... if Anyway, if you're making money or you're trying to figure out a way to make money and you're questioning the legality of it, it's probably not a good idea, you know, because... Can I just point out, I've never met the guy, but I think Brian Gray at Leaf is kind of spearheading this... Well, I wouldn't say he's leading them, but I think he's giving the, all these razors inspiration How, what do you mean by that uh, he's box in a box okay now I haven't had one in front of me but I know from somebody that's, op- that's opened one that there are no odds for 
is going to be inside on the outer box. And if it was to be legal, you would need those odds, along with all the odds for what's in every possible box. Right, I remember... I mean, I, th I think he's going about the gambling. I think he's thinking outside the box, which is good, but I think it's going to lead where... It's hard to explain. It's just obviously it would be, if it came up in court, it would be deemed gambling. I I am with you. I am. T I I do believe that Brian Gray, the um, owner of Leaf Trading Cards, certainly is pushes the envelope. Like definitely pushes the envelope with those uh, kind of repackaged best of type products, and certainly could you know I could see definitely inspire other people to do uh, you know mystery packs or do these kind of. Um, different, you know, ways to to make a buck or two. I will say that Leaf got Leaf said something to me on Twitter a, a day or two ago. Said something about how ra they thought razes were illegal and they should be dealt with or something like that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. That that's the pot and the kettle. Yeah, exactly. And my brother made a good point that. Leaf initially said something that, oh, we have no control of our products. Once once we sell it into distributors, you know, these guys can sell it to any razor or anybody that they want, really. Um, and my brother was quick to point out that Leaf Trading Cards will sue Panini all the time. They'll sue Tops or they'll sue each other. Panini will sue Leaf and, and Tops will sue whoever and they'll kind of go back and forth suing each other. But they don't ever, they'll do that, but they'll never protect their product after it's out of their hands. They won't, you know, like I was, I saw a Raz breaker. A guy was selling spots into box breaks and he was going to drop ship you, no, he's selling you boxes that he was, he, you know, it was like, buy uh, 50, he has 50 spots into a box for whatever, $3 each, and, and one person win. And he was drop shipping it from the distributor. So he was, he didn't even have to buy the product. This guy, all he had to do was put up the contest, and and if, uh, not the contest, the raffle, and if, if the raffle filled, then he could, he could ship the product. And, and it just blows my mind. Panini, there's no... There's no checks and balances here, any you know. And I, I brought it up to Leaf. I said, you know, if I want to sell Leaf trading cards, I can get my wholesale license literally today and sell their boxes. If if it's still office hours, I can sell them by the end of the day, or I, by tomorrow, I can be selling Leaf trading card boxes. Whereas if I wanted no. to sell Nikes, Air Jordans, or Rolexes, or Apple iPhones, or well, well, anything like that. You can't. I, I believe a pedet do that where they've protected the product. I think that yeah. I, I think the manufacturer should protect. That. I mean, like I said, can yeah. I can I buy a roll? Can I start? How profitable would it be to sell Rolexes 
for like eight thousand each. You know what I mean? And I get I can get them for five, and I can sell them for eight. You know, there's there's really not a discount on a brand new Rolex. You know, you're paying full price. Wouldn't it be yeah. great to have my own Rolex store? How cool would that be? Um, but you know, they don't deal with it. Same with Nike. I've actually not dealt with Nike, but uh, I've looked into dealing with Nike many years ago. Um, you, you'd have to, you have to invest over a million dollars really to, to for Nike to even really want to sniff your bank account. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose I'm not sure. Uh, it would. I think it would work a lot differently over here. I think you'd have to deal with an official distributor of Nike. So you wouldn't have to spend as much to stock the product. But then you wouldn't be an official Nike store or Nike. Certainly, certainly. You can can find suppliers of Nike stuff, but it's typically the mid to lower end stuff. You're not going to be able to get retro Jordans for $90 each. You're not going to be able to get every hot pair of shoes that comes out that you can just triple your money on instantly. Um, you can't get those unless you're a footlocker or a, you know, a main chain type uh, place or one with a very strong reputation in the sneaker kind of clothing community, which very few shops can, can obtain. Um, without substantial investment, uh, I just find it interesting that these card companies they they take no own, they take no protection over their product once once it's sold into the distributor. Once the distributor has it, that's it. You could be you could be raffling this stuff off. You could be just starting your business today or yesterday or this week and buy this stuff. Nobody cares. Everybody they're they're happy to sell it to you. Um, yeah. Well, I think that comes down to. The only people that care about the brand's image, and this is no offence, are the owner or owners and the board. But if you are working in sales and you are on commission, you are not bothered who you're selling to just as long as they're paying. Exactly. Well, really, what I think we had a guest, uh, Matt, a few shows ago. Who I think really said it, said it really well. Uh, said something to the effect of, "Really, collectors have hold Tops and Panini's brand in higher regard than Tops and Panini do themselves." Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. And that is that is so true that Panini and Tops are filled with employees that really are just waiting for the first and fifteenth to roll around, and if their company goes broke, trust me, they'll go apply at Upper Deck or they'll go apply at Beckett again. Or they're, you know, the, the, the employees tend to circle the kind of, you know, you either have worked for Upper Deck or you're going to work for Upper Deck or you've worked for Panini or you've worked for Beckett before or you've worked for Tops. You know, they're, they seem to all kind of rotate amongst each other. Um, and so yeah, there really I mean, is no brand loyalty. No, I mean, I suppose it's like the Golden Arches. You put out a tweet about the shares, the shareholders voting against <laughs> the $15 minimum wage. Right. Uh, instead of they're giving it to shareholders. Yes. I don't know, you said that you have some. 
and so you're happy and the staff I'm loving like, it yes so, so so you're working basically nine ten dollars an hour uh, I, scraping burgers <laughs> uh, cooking in a hot kitchen and some guy sat at a computer who's <laughs> basically woken up but woken up he's just opening his emails and having cereal and he's making as much money as you just because he has a little bit of capital it is this is why I love the USA is because you could be on it can either you know F you in the you know what or you can get on the other side of it instead of flipping the burgers just buy a couple shares of McDonald's they'll they'll give you a 30 cent dividend it's uh i mean certainly the stocks have just been i mean it's been a straight line up the last uh, five or six years so certainly um it's been advantageous to to be in that market certainly you can go the i've seen it go the other way and it can go the other way real quick Um, well it's gone well it went the other way from september the 11th 2001 Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, any any number of, of events can totally make a lot of those investments worthless. Um, so it's risky, but, uh, you know, at least I don't have to flip burgers. I can, you know, I mean, just sit behind a computer screen and they're going to take care of me better than the people that actually work for McDonald's. And I find that to be, um, I even eat at McDonald's. Um, but a lot of people do. I'll tell you what's funny. People walk around with Apple iPhones. Why does the Apple have a bite out of it? Uh, I don't know. Because the failed company of the Beatles in the 60s, 70s was called Apple Core, which was a full Apple. And Apple used it, and just before just as Apple were doing their iPods, they were basically in court with the remaining Beatles lawyers almost once a month with the Beatles members being paid out. So that's kind of brand protection. That's very interesting. And and Apple Court has probably made more money from Apple than they did when they set up. I can imagine they have. I can certainly imagine they've made plenty of money. Um, and certainly if you bought shares in, in that company uh, many years ago, you've, you're doing pretty well too. Um, Martin, let's let's keep things rolling. We gotta, we've got we gone on, let's see, about an hour. So let's... Long show. It's going to be a long show. Let's move on to... I know you wanted to talk about some of the products that have come out, um, you know, in the last couple of months or, you know, maybe just this year's baseball products were, you know, halfway through the year, essentially. Um, talk to me about some of the stuff you've been seeing out there. Uh, well, series one was Aziz. Right. And then I think the second baseball release from Tops was Tops Tribute. With, yes, or Heritage. I can't remember which one came first. I think Tribute came first. Okay. Lovely set, nice set. But what gets me is the Mystery Redemptions. They promised a Masahiro Tanaka rookie card autograph in the products. 
and the mystery redemptions were named as Jose Abreu and I believe they were filing the other one with Willie Mays. Interesting. So they've basically broken the promise on the Masahiro Tanaka. Typical, typical Tops, typical almost all these companies, but Tops especially, I think they often promise to deliver a player just because he's in the MLB. And they figure, <laughs> oh, mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get him. Let's get something right. If, if Tops had a... If Tops had a contract with him and he didn't sign, it isn't Tops' fault. No, it's certainly not their fault, but I don't think they even had a contract with him. I don't think they even had talked to him or his... Well, they certainly hadn't talked to him because I don't even know if he knows English. But they certainly hadn't talked to his agent. Um, no. Until, you know, it was too late probably. Some other... I guarantee you uh, some other company scooped him up or something. You know, there's all... Well, well. Well, I believe there's the Japanese BBM and he has rookie autographs from a couple of years ago from his Japanese rookie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what gets me is these throwbacks. Heritage and archives. Everybody's feeling nostalgic. Um, but, certainly, yeah. But basically, you can Photoshop your favourite player onto any year's card design and the sites on the internet with templates. So why are they... It just gets me as another money spin. Certainly, I think uh, Tops has some advantage because they can literally come out with, you know, four or five sets a year um, and certainly different insert sets. They do it quite often where it's just... 1965 tops or it's 19 whatever tops uh mini yeah. or decal or whatever it is um certainly makes it a lot easier uh to to put that that's why you know the fact that they didn't you know they don't they barely need to design the cards so you should have had tanaka you should have been able to iron out something with tanaka before you know it was too late essentially probably um, I don't know. The other thing is Gypsy Queen and Top Selling and Ginter. Now, some people are saying, oh, Alan, oh, Gypsy Queen, it looks like Alan and Ginter and vice versa. A lot of people think, and it's only a couple of years ago, that Gypsy Queen was the insert set from Alan and Ginter. And do you not think that the cards too similar from the same manufacturer um they are similar um they certainly have similar feels but I guess how I feel about it is Panini's gonna put out a you know a set that's gonna be like Alan and Ginter and a Burdak will come out with a set that'll you know remind you of Alan and Ginter so you might as well if you're tops if everybody else is just going to replicate you, you might as well replicate it yourself as well. Um, they probably, I think, the pro- one of the problems maybe with Gypsy Queen and Alan Ginter is they seem to come out maybe a little too close together. I think you yeah. could have Ginter where it is um, and make Gypsy Queen later on coming out a well, Christmas set. Gypsy Queen came out 
already, and I think Alan Ingin's suit is like next uh, month or something. The, I, th- I think it's the first. Okay, so real soon. Um, yeah. So it seems to me that's a little. I would stretch him out. You know, I think you could come out with Ginter now, and then another four months, five months. You know, once we get in the tenth, eleventh month, you could do a Gypsy Queen again. Yeah. Um, just seems a little front loaded uh, to me. Yeah, I suppose they've got to strike before football and hockey starts up again. Yeah, real true. Certainly with football, they've got their hands full this year. Seemed to me that the Bowman, I haven't seen it in person, but seemed to me people were were pumped up about the Bowman cards, and I think they were a lot of them were signed on card, if not all of them. Um, so people were, were digging that. Um but certainly seems like baseball this year, you know, you got a Brayu and you got this Chris Bryant kid. Um, seems like baseball's doing doing okay this year. Yeah, uh, I suppose it was. I know I did the piece for boxbreakdata.com with the Jose Abreu, and sadly there was no Tanaka to compare, and the Chris Bryant's were redemptions. So you couldn't compare the sale prices. Yes, exactly. But I think most people are looking at, from the baseball, they're looking at the Mookie Betts, who's with the Red Sox, no AAA. Um, you've got, is it Mike Capel with the Astros? Yep, yeah. Number one pick, I think. Mm. Was he? Was he the number one pick? I don't know. I think he was, yes. Yeah. Don't quote me, though. Okay, me neither. <laughs> no, if, if I was better, I would have the list up. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, me too. 150-some-odd shows, you'd think I'd uh, have some of this information at my fingertips. Um, but we, well, what, are we, what are we looking for the rest of the year? We've got, you know, like you said, we got Ginter coming out. I know we have uh, Top Series 2 already came out. So we have Update. We have Bowman uh, Giraffe. In- Bowman Inception Chrome, I think, even. Inception, Inception just came, came out. out. Yeah, what do you think about Inception? Uh, well, there's no Brewers hits. Okay. There's, there's one Rays player. <laughs> no, no, yeah, one Rays player, Dylan. Flaro, I think. I think there's one Jays player. It just seems... And in trivia earlier in the year, there were no Astros. Right. And that seems really weird, you know, for a major league... You know, it's one thing if Panini comes out with a set or Upper Deck or Leaf comes out with a set with no Astros. But, uh, you know, when you have the license to make... uh, the cards yeah. you could at least put out some inserts or something. Yeah. I mean, Nolan Ryan played Wait. for the Astros. Yeah, Craig Biggio. Craig Biggio, Jeff Bagwell. Um, I mean, they've had some good players. They certainly, they yeah, they certainly have had some good players. Um, I mean, I think they did it with the Marlins. I think they threw Ivan Rodriguez. I think in once in one of the insert sets is Rangers. And the other one is Marlins. So you would think that they just add. I mean, I'd be happy with a Craig Biggio autograph. He's certainly, I, and certainly, if you're an Astros fan, you know how are you going to stay engaged with new product 
if there's no car. Like, I can just imagine being, uh, you know, there's plenty of San Francisco Giants cards, but, you know, some years it was tough to find Bengals cards because the Bengals were so bad. Nobody on the team was even worth printing up except for Corey Dillon, really, you know? So, uh, I mean, I I thought baseball's different. I know tribute's more for your veterans than it is for your prospects. Right. But with baseball, if you come dead last, you get the first pick. (laughs) Right. So, obviously, if you don't have good veterans... You're going to have a decent or a couple of decent youngsters. So you can easily offset a bad team with the prospects. Yeah, or just, I mean, even the Astros, they had Mike Scott. I mean, they've had plenty of players that I think um, could be represented, at least, in some kind of set. And certainly they have current players. That aren't that bad either. Uh, I don't no, think they're Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, they're they're not doing that bad this year. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I do. I I think tops they drop the ball sometimes. What they end up yeah. doing is they plan this stuff out way far in advance. They're 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 planning and printing and kind of conceiving these sets. You know, yeah. months and months and months in advance. I, I, I think Tops has, I think Tops has a love affair with four or five guys a year. <laughs> I think this, I think, I think this year it's, is it Travis Dionide with the Mets? You've got right. Billy Hamilton. You've got, is it William Rosario with the Rockies? Right. Yeah. You, you, you seem to have. It seems to be in every autograph set of every product. Right. It seems like they get a real good deal or they get like this contract that, that is really works out for them. And so they, they, you know, like you said, it, it seems to be a theme for the whole year. You'll see these guys that'll be in every set um, and really kind of dilute uh, their values and kind of their popu- their collectability, I guess. Um, over the course of the year, and those those are things you got to be aware of if you're collecting a certain guy or collecting a certain team. You know, he could go on a little happy streak with tops, and all of a sudden be have you know fifty five to a hundred thousand cards come out in a year with his autograph. Right, certainly dilutes it. I think that's why it's the first ever prospect card is. So, holds its value. I mean, I'm just doing a search now for Mookie Betts. And yes, he is in Bowman Inception. So, if he wasn't, his Bowman Chrome card would be worth even more. Because they're just saturating everything. Exactly, yeah. Especially, yeah, that for, you know... Then that's what's so tough is you can buy that Mookie Betts or you can buy that guy when it first comes out and kind of feel good about your purchase. But like you said, then he gets put in Inception or he gets put in Bowman Draft or, you know, he gets in and now on in Ginter. You know, there's there's so many sets that they're putting these prospects in. Um, and then you have Panini making, you know, even Panini had Jose Abreu. Uh, and I think Leaf did too. Uh, so it, it, it tends to, Jose Abreu might be a different story, but certainly with the mid range and the lower end guys, it, it, 
it does put a lot of downward pressure, it seems like, on prices. I mean, I mean Mookie Betts could have been a ch- come from nowhere because I think six weeks ago he was in double A, doing well in double A. Right. Now he's in triple A and it will probably be with the main team once the rosters expand and getting some playing time. And then he's going to have his rookie autos. That, that's the thing. Then they'll put the rookie logo or whatever on it. And now all of a sudden he yeah. has, uh, you know, those are prospect autos. And now he's going to have his rookie cards and rookie autos. Um, and and sometimes the sometimes the hype and sometimes when the guy's in the minor leagues is better than when he actually makes it up there. You know, Billy Hamilton yeah. might be a good example. Billy Hamilton was was uh, pretty well. Even Brandon Belt uh, for the San Francisco Giants um, seems to me it's hard to if you're getting hype in the minor league to then come to the major leagues and continue to live up to that hype is very difficult. Mm. I mean, it must be a big change going from playing in front of. A hundred people to play in front of forty thousand people in a in a stadium. You were in as a kid watching, right? Your childhood heroes. Exactly. It is. Uh, you know, it's an, you got any other thoughts on uh, baseball or any other products uh, this year? Uh, I think Panini Prism baseball has been a good box even though it's not fully licensed I, I do think it's good value for money uh, yeah I think the Prism brand I mean uh, how funny is that Panini has bought Donruss and they they bought uh, Pacific I think Crown Royale or whatever and they've uh, mm. you know NBA Hoops I think this, they bought that brand uh, out of bankruptcy <laughs> Pinnacle, yeah, they got Pinnacle too. And the brand they make up with a funny name is is probably one of their more, in, in, in hobby circles, is one of their more respected and recognizable brands. And so I find that funny that they spent all this money on these retreaded brands, or these brands that were there and went away, on one that they kind of made up on their own, or somebody made up, uh, ends up being... Uh, being more of a smash hit than just about anything else they've come up with. Yeah, I, I think I think they might realise what I've thought for a while. I think I think they realise that use these brands, but use them. Don't release as many products, but make the products bigger checklists with more inserts. So you could have Crown Royale in another set. Right, I know that they, I don't, I know the way they do Crown Royale in basketball, they put it in preferred, um, but I do believe they've done Crown, I don't know if they still do Crown Royale as a standalone in football, um, but I know they've done that, um, but just seems, just seems odd to me that Prism has really stood out, I mean, outside of kind of National Treasures, um, and certainly flawless, uh, being $1,600 kind of gets some attention as well. But I find it interesting that Prism 
is really um, one of those sets that is very recognizable and, and certainly, like you said, uh, even in a non-licensed baseball product is, is a fun fun break and can be an attractive uh, either collecting or, or uh, you know, selling, flipping type uh, product. Yeah, I think the flipping on the low end, because it's not licensed, wouldn't work. But a Mike Trout autograph is always going to be a Mike Trout autograph. Right. And I think for these in baseball, two autographs for $60. And I think you've got your golds out of ten, your blacks out of one of ones. You've got your Jackie Robinson blue out of 42. You've got your Mojo parallels, purple prisms. And, And the set's okay, and they've actually mixed in some unoverused veterans I mean I think there's Daryl Strober in the set yeah I noticed they they got some uh, interesting guys I think they even had yeah I think they even had McGuire before Top started using them and and uh Paul Marrow, possibly, they might have been one of the first to kind of use some of the guys from the steroid era um, before Tops kind of, I think, started using mm. them again. Um, it's interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, Martin, we've had you on for about an hour now. Let's talk about, uh, you've got a podcast that you're about to uh, go live with. Yep. Why don't you uh, talk to us a little bit about that? Well, it's called The Pastime Dialogues. Not the catchiest name, but <laughs> it's just going to be two, two mainly British people talking about mainly US sports, mainly baseball. And we're both card collectors, so we'll be starting off by recording them but we are looking to go live and be more interactive down the road. Um, yeah, uh, we'll also be doing articles on our website. Um, and for basketball, I think we'll be inviting you on and you can be the basketball <laughs> author. Well, gosh, there's so much to talk about with the NBA uh, right now. Um, but so that's thepastimedialogues.com. I'm sure I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. And it sounds like you're getting uh, sounds like you're getting a podcast together. You should have one up uh, next week or so, huh? Yeah, uh, on the site I will be putting up a sign up for a newsletter. So if you do that. We will let you know when a show is coming up. Excellent. Excellent. And I will certainly be um, a fan of that. I certainly like and I enjoy listening to lots of podcasts. Uh, but certainly ones about cards and certainly from uh, people that I know. What else you got going on? Your Twitter is uh, Martin H M A. R T Y N H eight five. What kind of things you like to chat about on Twitter? Um, not much. I just usually try and keep up with people I've traded with. 
Um, yeah, uh, um, I've been using that, and I've also got a new Twitter for the podcast. That's Pastime Dialogue. Okay, excellent. I will uh, look for so, it. Actually, yeah. So that should create um, a number of interesting debates. Excellent. I'm yeah. I'm very excited uh, to hear you and your co-host uh, talk about cards and talk about sports and stuff. Talk to us. You know, just to wrap things up, you know, I think certainly myself and other people like me probably take for granted that we can get on eBay, we can get, you know, we can get on a forum and 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 get people to ship stuff to us for for two, three bucks. You know, it's not really that expensive to get card shipped to yourself in the U.S. Um, U.S. to U.S. resident, um, but you live overseas. And so there's this whole bear, you know. Certainly with group breaking, it might be kind of hard for you to 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 get stuff shipped to you. You know, talk to us a little bit about some of the things you have to do in order to actually get your cards. Um, well, if I'm doing a trade, I never charge by shipping. Um, also, I'll just use one group breaker at the minute. And they've been brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, I offer to pay a few dollars more uh, if I want the card. Um, I suppose it actually stops me from spending too much money. <laughs> obviously, I, obviously, I can't order a box of cards, so I actually probably group break more. Right. I don't think I'd actually do any group breaks if I was in them. If I was in the States, I'd probably just drive down to Walmart. <laughs> so that's it. That's interesting. Maybe maybe group breakers are missing a, a, a whole demographic, a whole, whole place to sell their items because it sounds like you group break more out of necessity than necessarily that's you know, that's the preferred way to get your cards. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because with customs and with large boxes shipping, then that adds to the cost. Whereas if you can, if you just want to collect the Red Sox from a break, from a uh, product, you can just buy the Red Sox or whatever team, and you don't have to deal with getting rid of the Blue Jays, the Yankees, whoever. You can just have those cards, and okay, you might not have got the hit, but, I mean, it is a form of gambling, but as long as you don't gamble more than you can afford (laughs) and you enjoy it. I mean, it is a hobby, you're supposed to enjoy it. And going back to people shipping overseas, usually if there's, if somebody says, oh, but you're overseas, aren't you? And they're kind of complaining before you start talking. <laughs> I usually just ig- ignore it. Yeah. If, this, if they're going to complain, then I had one guy 
he got an absolute steal from me on eBay. And he was complaining five days after. <laughs> and I said, you, sometimes you wouldn't have got that US to US. Exactly. And I, and I just explained that it wasn't actually five days, it was two business days. Right. Yeah, some and people it was, don't understand those things, um, unfortunately. They don't understand Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> don't count. Right. Exactly, yeah. For for most people, uh, <laughs> Saturdays and Sundays and any holiday, those uh, post office is closed. It could be the most random president that no one ever even liked. It is its birthday, and then the post office is closed. Would that uh, be George W. Bush? <laughs> well, people liked George W. Bush. Uh, certainly conservatives liked George W. Bush, and certainly some of the things he did was were 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 effective. Um, yeah, he he was he was in a tough situation too. You know, nine eleven happened. I don't know what I would do as a president. So. Um, so certainly, certainly an interesting time uh, in the in the country's history. We could yeah. we could talk I, I a lot about that. Came, I think that came from the Al Gore and the hanging chaps. Yes, that was. I really haven't been excited to vote, and I haven't voted a lot uh, since then. Since then, I've been no. like, "Wow, this is just totally rigged," and they just totally can, you know, whoever they want to win. Or who you know? There's no they, but the 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 group that wants to win it the most is gonna win it. You yeah, know. I, I actually just just an interesting post. No, when George W. Bush was governor of Texas, he actually put into law in Texas to do with the hanging chad, and there should be a re-election. <laughs> that is. Uh... That's fitting. I think his brother Jeb was the governor of Florida at the time, which made it even more just, I don't know. Yeah. What oh, an interesting I, time uh, in, in is politics that, the guy that was. Is that the guy that offered Steve Bartman sanctuary it, is from he? Wrigley Field? <laughs> I wonder what Steve Bartman is doing. I, I, there, there was like some ESPN thing on him uh, a while back, and they were Catching trying to find him. Hell. Yeah, and I thought it was really good. I, I don't think they – did they ever catch up with them in that? I don't think they caught up with them. Uh, they did, and I think he just – his lawyers made a statement. What because a, uh... I, I believe one of the ESPN guys followed him for a week and met him in a car park. That's right, that's right. But I don't think nobody's seen him in 10 years. Yeah, I, I certainly, certainly in the Chicago, Illinois area, I certainly would not want to be even looking. I wouldn't even want to be one of his family members. Uh, they're still bitter about that. I, I know mm. that for a fact. Mm. Well, Martin, it's been... Uh, it's been really uh, fun. Uh, finally, like I said, after a year or two here, we finally got you on the show. Uh, hopefully, it met uh, your expectation level. You got any uh, got any final words for the faithful out there? 
Uh, I'd just like to, on behalf of your Twitter followers just and uh, your listeners, just congratulate you on... I, th- I think you've been doing it for four years. Um... Yeah, something like that. I think since two thousand, I think I started in two thousand eight. Um, mm. So whatever that is, four or five years. That's six. That's six years. Six years. Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting quite. I think it was like in June or July of oh yeah. eight. Um, mm. It was one of those months. I can't remember which one. Um, so that yeah, was the same time I got hooked on baseball. Well, I'm glad we've been able to, uh, you know, impart some uh, entertainment uh, your way over the last uh, several years. Uh, And I've certainly enjoyed uh, talking with you uh, through the various means of uh, communications. Uh, For somebody I have never met, uh, I seem to uh, feel like I know you quite well. So it's been uh, fun catching up with you today. Yeah. And I'd like to congratulate you again on getting married to the beautiful Annie. <laughs> Thank you. I, if it wasn't so late, uh, we'd, we'd bring her on too. I'm sure she'd enjoy it, but it's uh, it's a little late here. She works uh, quite hard, so we'll, yeah. we'll give her a pass. But I'll definitely uh, let her know you said hello. Okay, well, thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you, Martin. And again, it's uh, your podcast is going to be uh, found at thepastimedialogues.com. And Dialogues is spelled D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E-S. It's not one of those words that uh, we all spell every day. Um, and on Twitter, Pastime Dialogue, I just followed you. I think I'm Twitter follower number four or five, one of those. Um and you can also find him at martinh85 on Twitter. So uh, always an ent- entertaining uh, person to follow and to speak to. Martin, thanks yeah, again for coming on. And you can also on. contact us at email us at thepastimedialogues at gmail.com. Will do. And we're very, we're very much looking forward to uh, your first show. Thank you. We'll be recording it on Wednesday. Sounds good. Well, until then, Martin, thanks again for coming on today. Thanks a lot, Colin. Bye. See ya.